Welcome to Pretend I Know Nothing About. I'm Katie White, your host, administrator of COAAA. Today, we'll be learning about SAFE, the SAFE Committee with Linda and Sarah. Let's get into it. And I've got Linda Gillespie and Sarah Hall with me here today. Good morning. Good Good morning. morning. Thanks for having us. Sure. Linda, let's start with you. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us about your role and your program and department. My name is Linda Gillespie. I am um, the director for the Aging and Disability Resource Division, and um, I have been here 35 years as of last month. And um, we uh, do a variety of things in the ADRN division, including um, all of the screening and assessment and enrollment um, determinations for people applying for the passport or assisted living waiver programs. We do the annual reassessments for people enrolled in the MyCare waiver uh, program. Uh, We do... um, Uh, provider relations, um, where we oversee about 600 different contracts that we have with community service providers under Passport, Assisted Living, our Title III program, um, and we also subcontract with um, Franklin County Office on Aging and uh, SourcePoint in Delaware County to monitor their providers. And we do a variety of educational um, and outreach activities, um, including um, evidence-based disease programming, um, things like, you know, learning how to manage chronic conditions or overcoming the fear of falling. We do educational opportunities for professionals as well as for civic groups like the Kiwanis or Lions Club or church groups. And we do Medicare outreach and education and um, operate our caregiver support program. And housing. Housing is the big (laughs) one. Yeah. Um, We operate our housing program uh, where we uh, just in the last few years have been able to obtain funds to actually assist people who are at risk of eviction or unable to pay their utilities. And um, so we um, um, actually can help people remain in their homes um, by just providing them with short-term assistance to um, get over. Um, It started with uh, COVID, um, or that's, it actually started a little bit before COVID, but then we got kind of an influx of funds during COVID to help people who lost their jobs or weren't able to work anymore mm-hmm. because of um, getting sick themselves and um, therefore no longer able to pay for their, their rent or their utilities. And um, as I said, we were able to, uh, we are able to keep people in their homes and um, help them get back on their feet again. So for those listening, if you aren't familiar with Linda, take a look at the org chart. Linda's the first division director we've had on, so you can see all that is underneath her. Um, And let's go now to Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah Hall. I'm a social worker. I've been at COAAA almost 13 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, All of 
a big chunk of those with the Molina My Care program. I'm the clinical manager of that program. We serve about 14 um, older adults who are living in the community with um, disabilities, um, needing a nursing facility level of care. So those folks need things like bathing, dressing, homemaking, meals, and we're able to uh, make a plan with them and keep them in the community receiving those services. Um, I came to COAAA after doing a master's at OSU. Uh, at OSU, I got really interested in like autonomy and um, just self-direction and just living the life an older adult wanted to live. A lot of what I studied was the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And so I got really interested in kind of community-based care and found that COAAA was the game in town for that. So I applied here um, and got hired. Um, and so I've been here ever since. Um, My Care Ohio actually started in 2014, and I was able to kind of help start that program. Okay. Um, so really interesting trying to adapt um, a program that paired um, COAAA with managed care companies. So our contracts for My Care Ohio are with Molina and Aetna. And so we basically had to work with them to structure a program that served older adults um, getting home care. And we had a lot of expertise in that, and the managed care plans had very little. Um, So we were able to kind of guide the processes we started up, and that was really fascinating for me coming out of a master's program where I did program evaluation and that kind of thing, so I was really felt like I found my niche here, Um, and I was able to do that pretty quickly after um, being a case manager for a couple years here. Great. So kind of um, some quick upward mobility all the way to clinical manager now, which is excellent. Clinical manager. Yes. Maybe maybe one day I'll be a director. Who knows? There we go. See, we'll just keep moving everybody through the ranks. <laughs> um, so, okay, obviously we've got a ton of clinical experience in the room with us. And so we are going to focus on talking about SAFE. So, um when did SAFE start? How did it come to be? Who wants to give me the overview of SAFE? Well, I actually went through my files to try to find out exactly when it did start. And um, the only, the earliest reference I could find was 2013. Okay. But it actually started before then, pretty well before then. And maybe if I dug a little deeper in my file cabinets, I could find the exact <laughs> date. But um, it came about because as case managers um, um, and as the program was growing, case managers were just running across um, more difficult situations that that they hadn't seen or learned about in school um, and didn't have any easy solutions for. And, um, and so we brought this committee together to... Um, to bring about a sense of shared responsibility. Um, We didn't want case managers who were dealing with these, um, you know, difficult situations with their clients to feel that they were out on a limb all by themselves, um, or maybe just with their supervisor. And so we convened a committee of people from across the agency, all different programs, and invited case managers to bring those difficult situations Um, to the committee to brainstorm, get new ideas, um, um, you know, listen to um, other uh, professional opinions or ideas, um, and um, sometimes just to get reinforcement 
that they were doing everything that they could mm. in this difficult situation. And, um, you know, the, we as a committee didn't really have any new ideas, but wanted to definitely recognize that, um, you know, a case manager has uh, had done everything that they could for that situation. And sometimes we just have to let the other, um, you know, foot drop in a case and, um, you know, wait for something bad to happen. That doesn't sound great, but... Um, it's real. Yeah, it is real. And, you know, the. Um, I mean, hopefully that won't happen, but sometimes that's all we can do. And then we can, you know, come up with new actions or, um, or ideas. And sometimes that's a really hard place for our staff to be in. So coming... Um, to the safe committee and kind of reviewing a case and hearing from people with a lot more experience than them that we can't do much more than you're doing right now can sometimes help them to be okay with that. Um, I also think we hear a lot of really great work um, described to us in safe. And so I think that that's one of the, the best things. We see how talented our staff are and how committed they are. And we're able to kind of give them that feedback that they've really done what they can and they've been creative in working with these individuals and um, really making some sort of difference. So giving that feedback is really key to the committee too. And I also think it's a great learning experience for newer staff, um, whether it's you know a new staff person bringing a difficult case or a person just serving on the committee and hearing these difficult cases. Um, and we, we do have visitors. We have students who will listen in and um, other new staff who won't, you know, actually um, be part of the committee. But um, it's part of the orientation, I think, for most staff in the agency is to listen in on a couple of different safe um, committee uh, presentations so that they can learn and uh, realize that, yes, they're going to most likely run into some difficult situations, but um, they're not alone and, you know, we have a support system for them. That's great. So it's not only feedback and advice and additional things to think about, but it is that peer support and saying, you've done a great job, you've covered everything. Unfortunately, the reality is this is a challenging situation. So how exactly does it work um, if someone wants to join the committee or just attend or send in a case? Kind of walk me through how that works, Sarah. So every six months, we do a rotation for SAFE, and we send an invite out to um, most of the clinical staff get an invite to participate as a member of SAFE. Um, and we try to have equal representation, especially across the large program. So we might have like two to four individuals on safe from a large program and then the smaller programs we do want to make sure they're involved too um, we do have a quite a few members that are standing members on safe they're dedicated members of safe that will always be on um, mainly it's our heavy hitters like linda um, and other directors who we really want to hear um, their opinions and takes on harder cases um, because they bring a lot of experience but also you know they're, they're ultimately in charge of these programs so we want them involved in the decisions we're making um, so anyone can join. We have seasoned staff on um, SAFE. We also have staff that are pretty brand new to the agency because we do see it as a really great learning experience. One of the things with being a member of SAFE or presenting on SAFE is good practice um, for sharing your opinions and ideas. Um, 
in a safe space where we're all supportive and you can kind of put out ideas, um, even if you're new. Uh, even students sometimes speak up and safe about suggestions they have, community resources they're aware of, too. It's a judgment-free zone. That's great. Yeah, there, because there really is something, too, that when you're coming in and a lot of people have worked here a long time, it can feel intimidating, I'm right. sure, to say, oh, wait, I might have an idea. So that's great. That's a good experience for people. Yeah, so anyone can be on SAFE. It's a six-month commitment. We have two um, different time slots. We meet most weeks. Um, one is an 8 a.m. on Thursday mornings. We do it via, via Zoom. Um, and the other is a noon on uh, Wednesdays. And so anyone who wants to participate can. Um, some of our folks who participate actually get um, licensed supervision during SAFE because it's a clinical setting and they, they can use that as part of their licensed supervision. So a lot of our master's level social workers take advantage of that. So if they're going for the LI mm -hmm. or the LISWS? Just the LISW. Just yeah. the LI. Okay. Got it. Great. So twice a week, if there's cases... It's once a week. Oh, excuse me. Um, okay. It's alternating weeks. So um, this week is Thursday. Next week will be Wednesday. Okay. And so you send out an email, I believe, right to all staff saying, send in your cases. Kind of walk me through some of that, too. Once a week, we send out an email and uh, invite folks to bring a case to SAFE. Uh, they would just email either Linda or myself to get on the schedule. People do email regularly outside of those time periods too and we'll put them on the schedule occasionally we'll have something more urgent come up that we can't wait for a meeting for safe and so we'll gather the, whoever we can in the committee together and meet impromptu for case managers um, and we do that at least a few times a year um, with little fanfare um, easy to do um, once upon a time when I was a volunteer guardian, um, I actually was able to come to save Diana um, by way of Julia, who was running volunteer guardian at that time, um, invited me in. And it was, it was really great to just say, I'm having this challenge. And then to kind of think through that 360 view of it, of how we might be able to, um, you know, find some success. So when would someone bring a case? Kind of talk to me about, you know, what really lends itself to coming to SAFE. Anytime that health and safety are a concern okay. um, for a consumer, uh, whether it's because of their own actions or the actions of others. Okay. Um, if we're concerned about, um, you know, about their ability to stay in the community as opposed to an institution or... Um, or if enrollment is jeopardized. Um, often we, um, we have cases come for people who are not yet enrolled mm -hmm. on the program. So an assessor will have seen somebody um, that they're considering enrolling but have concerns about health and safety. And so um, uh, assessors will bring cases as well and um, kind of you know get the opinion of the committee as to whether this is a um, a case that we could support and hopefully improve by enrolling on the program okay. um, or not. Um, if a client is putting themselves at, or others at risk um, and they don't understand the consequences of um, what they're doing, if they're not adequately being served by um, service providers uh, and that, that's jeopardizing their ability to stay at home. Um, 
anytime there's concerns about legal intervention, such as um, a potential need for a guardian um, or uh, the need for APS to get involved, uh, there are times when uh, people will bring a case to SAFE where a referral's been made to APS. APS has declined the referral, mm -hmm. and yet we're still very concerned about uh, the situation okay. that's going on. Um, and any time a person is at risk of being disenrolled due to health and safety reasons, um, we, we don't want to abandon people who we have been providing some support to, but um, health and safety is one of the criterion for the program, uh, for all of our programs. Um, and it's actually a waiver assurance that's required by the federal government um, that we only keep people on the program when we can assure their health and safety. Okay. And so um, if we're considering disenrolling due to that reason, then we want that to be a... Um, joint decision, again, part of that shared responsibility. And are you documenting, um, you know, the cases that come in case something happens and you can say, you know, we reviewed it with this team and that sort of thing? So in the client record, the case manager would be responsible for basically saying that they took um, the case to safe. And we've had that come up in record reviews. We ha we've had really challenging client situations where, say, a managed care plan might look into it further, and they say, oh, what is what is safe? Um, and we can tell them, well, we, we brought this case before a multi multidisciplinary um, committee to kind of review what was going on, the interventions in place, and to, you know, make sure we feel like we have our ducks in a row. And that's actually really um, been helpful um, in talking to auditors and kind of explaining how we make decisions. Um, and it does get doc documented in each of the client records. Uh, they're responsible for just documenting that they brought the case to SAFE and the kind of noting the suggested interventions that, that they're going to follow up on. The more um, I talk to people and learn about the different programs, it's, you know, it's not that we're just doing our due diligence, but no matter the level, no matter the program, it's just it seems to me that we're forever working towards clinical excellence and going above and beyond. And so um, I just, I have a lot of pride and awe when I learn about these things. You know, there's the worst of the worst potentially that we're seeing and going out there and having to um, try to work in and the way everybody kind of comes together and supports each other. Um, it's just, it's really, it's really incredible to learn about. So what are typical situations that come to SAFE? You want to talk me through any examples or if you have a little data you want to share? Got some stats. Love um, it. <laughs> so uh, about half of our cases that come to SAFE have some sort of behavioral health diagnosis. Um, most of the cases are in Franklin County. This last round of stats has it at 87% here in Franklin County. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so um, I th I'd say another big predictor of co cases coming to SAFE are if there's um, a lack of significant social support. Um, about half of our cases this last round um, lacks social support and 64% the first quarter of 2023. So that's a high predictor, I would say. Um, yeah, we could see anything from someone um, self-neglecting, you know, not bathing and not um, 
accessing services, something like that, or physical abuse and from a family member. Um, really, we see the gamut, and we don't we don't screen out anyone coming to safe. So it could be something really simple and straightforward, or something super complex um, with lots of players. Um, we do see a lot of referrals to APS, so a lot of cases um, that are also involved with APS. Um, occasionally, we do try to pull in other professionals and have them come to SAFE. Um, we've had less representation from like EPS, but we've had some, some managed care um, case managers come and other um, community professionals like CRC um, come if they're working on a case with us or behavioral health clinicians too. Um, what else? Yeah, behavior, behavioral health is an interesting one. We've just now started kind of breaking down more statistics on the folks who come to SAFE. So we're really hoping to kind of see patterns um, and kind of analyze what are the toughest situations we're seeing. And, you know, um, we're also hoping to start kind of looking at outcomes and follow-up around SAFE. We have a follow-up survey that we have implemented in the past, but haven't been implementing lately, and we're going to kind of tweak that and get that out there again. So if anyone is a data nerd here at the agency <laughs> and they're like, huh, I could help you look at these numbers, um, we would love to have your expertise. Um, so you've got some data. You need it kind of sliced and diced and Sliced and analyzed. diced. Okay. Well, and we also could probably further look at what we're collecting because we just – Linda, Eric, and I just sat down and we're like, okay, what's what's interesting to look at in these situations? What numbers do we want to look at for 2023, the last round? And, you know, we're not experts in what we're looking at. Um, some of the things we're looking at could be meaningful. Some of them might not. I don't know. Okay. And we've collected um, stats for a long time, but as Sarah said, this year we really wanted to dig deeper into that. So instead of just saying, yes, this was a behavioral health issue, we're recording what type of issue um, okay. and um, you know other details so that we can drill down more into the data that we are collecting. Um, one of the other scenarios that we see sometimes is, uh, fairly often actually, is that it's not the client or the consumer, him or herself, that's the issue, but it's the people that they surround themselves with, Interesting. either people living in the home or neighbors who are creating problems um, that jeopardize services to um, to our consumer. Um, drug use, um, you know, weapons in the home, um, uh, neighbors, you know, sometimes we have people who have squatters living in their homes, and they don't know how to get rid of them. Some ex um, exploiting going on. Right. We have a lot of, we see a lot of financial dependence with older adults and their um, caregivers and, you know, maybe adult children that are exploiting them because they don't have their own income. Um, we see abusive relationships because of that. You know, a lot of the folks we work with feel responsible for their adult children, and they um, will bend over backwards to kind of accommodate them in, in situations we sometimes would view as abusive. Um, well, yeah, a lot of problems from the folks that are not the older adults in <laughs> a lot of the scenarios. The uh, biopsychosocial whole piece, right? It's not just about the individual. It's the whole thing. And so when there is a really tough case and the staff member has done everything they can do and it just is 
going to continue to be an unsafe situation. What do we do for staff? Do we have them go to EAP or how do we support staff? I would imagine that would be difficult for, you know, a case manager or someone in that scenario. We definitely educate on EAP and encourage that um, and encourage people to take the feelings they're having seriously and really process those. Um, As a social worker, I always encourage people to be in their own therapy and um, be sorting uh, out the feelings they have from work and their family life and that kind of thing. Um, We also sometimes will pull in, usually someone's supervisor, the direct supervisor is there at SAFE. And so, you know, if we see something really concerning, um, we really encourage the supervisors to continue to follow that and follow up with the person on how they're coping. Um, You know, are they losing sleep? Are they doing okay? And checking in. One of the things we've done, too, in um, just the last couple of years is include somebody from the volunteer guardian program on each of the SAFE committees. Um, So Wendy attends the Thursday mornings and Jane attends Wednesday afternoon uh, SAFE meetings so that they can speak to issues around guardianship, power of attorney, um, other legal kinds of things that um, might need to be considered. I should have them on here soon. That way, when somebody listens to this and they want to learn more more about VGP, it's ready to go. Well, and some of what we do in SAFE is talking um, staff through the fact that often what we're doing is not a one and done thing. It's a long term. It's a long term relationship, and you know, some semblance of safety, some increased safety based on the services we can provide for people, that's helping people be more safe. And over time, as you build relationships, maybe you're going to be able to increase that level of safety or increase that level of service to, to make sure people are getting their needs met. And so just encouraging people that right now, it might not be where you want it to be, but in you might be working with this person for another two years and you might make great strides. You know, someone who doesn't accept services after you build a relationship with them, maybe slowly you can get them to take an ERS or you can do home delivered meals or maybe two years from now they'll have a home health aid taking out their trash. Um, so really reminding people that this is a long game rather than a short-term intervention. And along those same lines, um, you know, we encourage staff to bring the same case back to SAFE uh, as things change, um, uh, you know, especially if they worsen. Okay. Um, you know, they can always bring a case back. I know of a couple of case managers who have brought the same person back to SAFE to discuss multiple times over a period of a few years. And, um, you know, in some regards, the situation may, may be better, but then there could be backsliding or new developments. And um, so I think that's an ongoing support to case managers, too, as they're uh, dealing with these specific cases and and realize that um, that will always be there. Yeah. And knowing that there's some consistency, too. It's like, I'm going to bring it back to safe and everybody's going to know what I'm talking about. And we're kind of on that journey together. Um, one of the things that I think is neat about SAFE that's not a primary driver of SAFE, though, is that we're hearing all of these really difficult cases and client situations. And we as a team can kind of start to uh, identify and tease out what are the most challenging things for our staff working in the field. And we can respond to that by inviting 
trainings in and talking with the supervisors and the managers about what we're seeing in the field. And it kind of gives us a larger level um, like perspective for the whole agency, whereas I might just hear you know, stuff in my program. Now I'm hearing things in 10 programs. Um, you know, recently we had a lot of um, the presence of guns was really um, common in our safe cases. And that's caused us to kind of think about staff safety in the field and what we want to do with that. Um, you know, we're considering some additional technology. We've decided to have people um, kind of list their visits out on their calendars. So we always have a record of where people are. And it's, some of that came from seeing, you know, this bigger picture and safe. And I would imagine even thinking through some different policies, right? right? As we run into situations more and more, maybe we need to really think about having, you know, a hard stance or a policy and something like that. And That's, clinical practices, too, right. which has been one of our, um, you know, ongoing committees over the years. Often um, the protocols or best practices that they've developed are driven by cases uh, just like what's being brought to safe. Hmm. Okay. That's so interesting. Um, and it makes great sense, right? Like starting to hear themes and then bringing in trainings. I love that. So do you have a success story or, you know, usually I ask people what their favorite story is, which might not be quite appropriate for safe, but is there any kind of success story you might be able to share? So I had someone on my team, and I was on SAFE at the time. Um, she was working with an older gentleman who lived with his wife um, in an apartment. Um, the apartment itself had a lot of drug, drug activity, like the apartment complex, and um, the wife actually became addicted to drugs, uh, prescription um, opiates. And he was declining. He has, he has MS, um, had a ton of pain. His pain wasn't well treated, and it was um, even more poorly treated as people started filching his pain meds. Um, and so his wife's um, addiction problem was kind of spiraling out of control. Um, there were people in and out of the house. Um, and because he didn't have access to pain meds to treat his pain, um, his wife actually dosed him with fentanyl uh, more than once, and he went to the hospital. So obviously this doesn't start off sounding like a success. Um, Just doing some deep breathing over here. I'm already stressed. <laughs> yes, it was very stressful. Um, luckily, uh, the clinician working with him, um, Hannah, is very talented and was very invested in building a relationship with this family and building some trust. And so she came to she came to SAFE um, pretty early on um, after his uh, first hospitalization. Just like, how, how should I approach this? And we ended up linking her with um, Spark and React. Um, so Spark is, I'm not going to get the acronym, but Spark works with um, folks who are encountering, encountering the fire department um, who could better be served by social services in some capacity. And React is a program that um, is with Columbus Fire. COAAA actually has a social worker on that team. And we go out and meet with folks um, after an overdose to try to encourage um, treatment. And so um, a social worker and a firefighter go out and meet them where they're at, talk to them about their overdose, um, get, offer them things like Narcan, education about treatment options, etc. So she ended up linking with React. They all went out on a visit. Um, this was after some time of her building rapport and trust with the family and kind of planting the seed. And they went out and actually got his wife into treatment that day. 
One of his barriers for caring for himself was he was worried about his wife. And so if she would get treatment, he was willing to go to a nursing facility to better treat his pain and be more comfortable. And so she went to treatment and he went to a nursing facility. And I think he's still in the nursing facility. Um, but that, that to us was a big success because there were so many barriers. She was not interested in treatment. He was not interested in leaving the home if she was going to be in the home alone. He was so worried about her. And we were able to kind of get that situation um, to a safer place. And I, I'm really happy he's more comfortable now. Absolutely. That's so impressive. And about how long did all of that take? I would imagine quite some time. So it was... M- kind of a couple months of planning before um, React went out. But once React went out, there, you know, we were already at a place where she was ready to, to make a change. So th- she got in treatment same day. That's incredible. So um, we're coming to the end here. And I always like to give each person an opportunity to kind of just share some final thoughts, what you think or want staff to know about SAFE. So Linda, what are your final thoughts? I think it's a great resource that people need to remember um, uh, as they're dealing with these difficult cases. Um, Sometimes we don't have any uh, cases to discuss in a particular um, meeting, but my guess is that there are those cases out there that could be um, brought to SAFE. Um, I don't think I don't want people to feel intimidated by bringing a case, uh, which I think is kind of natural. Um, You know, they're putting it all out on the line there as to, you know, what the situation is, what they've done. And there are all these other people there who, um, you know, could be judgy. But um, we make an effort, you know, every effort not to be judgy. I didn't think about it as a vulnerability, but it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so um, so really, that's probably the biggest thing is, you know, don't hesitate at all to bring a case, even if you feel like there's probably 10 other cases that are worse that somebody else might have. Um, if you're feeling uncomfortable about a situation, then um, by all means, bring it. Yeah, I would second that. I think people do feel vulnerable. Um, and they're very busy. Everyone's very busy. And so I think sometimes people um, don't want to add an extra thing or they're nervous to present. Um, I just would remind people your supervisor will be there with you and they can co-present with you. You know, if you're you're nervous about it, let your supervisor do the talking. It's, it's worth getting the resources. Um, I think SAFE is one of those things that I, I'm glad we're introducing staff to early on because I think that it's really um, tied into the core values of COAAA and, you know, just um, really speaks to the level of support we want to offer um, staff. And you know, we bring our most talented individuals into a room and give you advice. And so it's very valuable um, to the work folks are doing. But it's also just helps tremendously to just see that level of shared responsibility and support. And remember, you're not out on an island doing this work. And so just one more time, if an individual wants to find some information about SAFE or sign up to come, um, Linda, can you share again where they might find info and how they know to attend? So we have a folder on the share drive. Um, so it's work files and then uh, COAAA um, 
CAAA Shared Information and Resources, I think, is the name of the folder. And when you open that, there's a folder on SAFE. And it includes, um, you know, suggestions of when to bring a case to SAFE, um, the ground rules uh, for people um, who are on the committee, and, you know, including that we're not there to judge anybody. Um, And... um, There's a presentation form that we ask everybody to fill out that just kind of gives a synopsis of what's going on. Uh, So that form is there. And then all of our statistics are there as well. So it's work files, COAAA, information and resources, and then SAFE. And then they watch for those emails that come out and then email Sarah or Linda to get on the agenda? Right. So I send out the emails usually on Mondays for the Thursday meeting. Sarah sends them out for um, the Wednesday meetings and just respond to whichever one of us sent out. And I'd encourage anyone who has an interest in serving on SAFE, even if you are kind of new to do so, um, I think it's a really worthwhile experience. You learn a lot. You learn a lot of resources, make some connections in the agency. And you could get some independent license supervision, too. And if you don't have a case and you're not sure about joining as a committee member, you can always email just to attend to learn, right? Okay, great. Thank you both so much. You'll both be back in different capacities to talk about the um, more specifically about your division, Linda, and about Melina, Sarah. But thank you both for coming together today to share more about SAFE. 